They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight with a choice between good and evil. It was once said that with great power comes great responsibility. And when you are granted that power, you have the responsibility to use it wisely. Today, former President Barack Obama, the most eloquent spokesperson for the Democratic Party, whose own election felt for a brief historical moment, like a giant step forward in American experiment, delivered an hour-long speech about the fragility of democracy and how it's being tested by political disinformation and fake news spread online. Democratic backsliding isn't restricted to distant lands. Right here in the United States of America, we just saw a sitting president deny the clear results of an election and help incite a violent insurrection at the nation's capital. Not only that, but a majority of his party, including many who occupy some of the highest offices in the land, continue to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the last election and are using it to justify laws that restrict the vote and make it easier to overturn the will of the people in states where they hold power. So for those of us who believe in democracy and the rule of law, this should serve as a wake-up call. Meanwhile, the goblin king of Mar-a-Lago uses his power to amplify lies and disinformation for personal gain at the expense of American democracy. In a sweaty and overly bronzed interview with Piers Morgan, the twice-impeached president continued to push the big lie he cooked up to excuse his failed re-election. These lies about a stolen election are what precipitated the greatest assault on American democracy in modern American history. These lies led to the death of nearly 10 people. And yet, the Republican Party does nothing because they need these lies. These lies continue to fuel their party, a party filled with feckless political sycophants who are ready to follow Trump into the gutter because power is all that matters to them. Today, we got yet another reminder of just how pathetic these leaders are. In an upcoming book obtained by NBC News, This Will Not Pass by Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns of The New York Times, Kevin McCarthy shortly after the insurrection, was ready to give Trump the old heave-ho. The authors report that Kevin told a group of his Republican colleagues that what the former president had done was, quote, atrocious and totally wrong. In a separate call a few days later, McCarthy told a smaller group of Republicans, quote, I've had it with this guy. What he did is unacceptable. Nobody can defend that and nobody should defend it. As Democrats were set to introduce a resolution to impeach the former president, McCarthy told his colleagues that he would inform Trump that, quote, I think this will pass and it would be my recommendation you should resign. This morning, McCarthy responded to that reporting, writing, the New York Times reporting on me is totally false and wrong. He also denied ever saying he'd push Trump to resign. The, Bush also, the book also reports that over the Senate, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell was equally frustrated with Trump. While discussing the upcoming second impeachment, McConnell told two advisors that the Democrats are going to take care of this son of a bitch for us, presuming there would 
be at least 17 Republicans ready to affirm Trump's impeachment. McConnell's office denied or declined to comment on the record regarding that reporting. And NBC News has not independently verified the allegations in the book. Now, all of you know that none of this came to pass. In fact, 17 days, 17 days after the insurrection, Kevin flew down to Florida and kissed the Mad King's ring. And the Republican National Committee followed suit, claiming that January 6th was just a bunch of people expressing legitimate political discourse. These revelations are important because it shows that when Republicans were presented with a choice, a choice between democracy and Trump, they chose Trump and his lies. All of this, all of this news comes as officials at the Justice Department seem to be ratcheting up their investigation into insurrection plotters and members of Congress and others close to the former president. Joining me now is Matthew Dowd, founder of Country Over Party, and Maria Teresa Kumar, president and CEO of Voto Latino. Thank you both for being here. And Matthew, you know, reading through that New York Times article today, I'm struck by two things. One, just the sheer cowardice of these men who all knew that what happened on January 6th was beyond the pale and said so to other people. And if the book is reporting this, it means they said so to enough people they could tell these authors. So they said it. And we all know that that's how they felt, because some of them said it on the floors of the, of the House and, uh, and the Senate. But they didn't have the courage at the time when Trump was the politically weakest to take action because they were more afraid of losing power. They were more afraid that Trump's voters would remove them from power. And that, in the end, is all they cared about. How do we defend a democracy with weaklings like that, weaklings like Mike Lee, who's out there now trying to defend himself when he was texting ideas on how to kill the election to Mark Meadows and now say, oh, no, 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 I wasn't there to do his bidding. But back in October, he said democracy is not even the objective of this country. Your thoughts? Well, first, it, it, I, I was struck by the same exact thing as you you were in this. I, I always remember Maya Angelou's quote, which is courage is the most important of all virtues because it's the only thing allows that allows us to practice every single other virtue. You have to have courage first in the course of this. And it's also striking that on the day that the Cur Profiles and Courage Awards are announced, which were given to people throughout the world, including President Zelensky, the Secretary of State of Michigan, uh, Liz Cheney, to, sh to, to them for defending democracy. You have Republicans that on one day will will celebrate all of the patriots in history that have died defending democracy and all that, but have no amount of courage to even stand up to a guy, to even risk an election loss. And trust me, this is less about Donald Trump and their fear about Donald Trump and more about the fear of what the Republican base has become. And so they're completely willing to do an ends justify the means calculation. They don't care about integrity. They don't care about courage. They fundamentally don't care about democracy as long as it allows them to retain power. And they're scared of the of the base that has become and pointing to what President Obama has said today, which I thought was a very important speech, has become so radicalized because of disinformation, they're afraid of the base, but they have no amount of courage. All of the things they've celebrated of, of people encouraged throughout our history, they don't won't even risk an election loss. It, it is striking, uh, Maria Teresa. I mean, and I'm struck by the Mike Lee count. This is from 2020 when he tweeted that democracy isn't the objective. Liberty, peace and prosperity are. We want the human condition to flourish. Uh, rank democracy can thwart that. So he already laid out his understanding that we don't need a democracy, that in his mind, it would be OK if we simply had uh, the, the Congress choose the president of his liking. As long as he got power, it's fine. They don't seem to have any 
any red lines as long as they get power. And President Obama's speech, I thought, was striking because he's talking about the information universe that creates the base of people who would rather have a dictator and a fascist dictator at that as long as they can feel comfortable in their own cultural skin. They feel like the culture is running from them. So they would rather have a dictator that would impose the culture that they prefer rather than democracy. So that's them. But the leaders, Maria Teresa, talk about the leaders are supposed to be men. I, I can count two <laughs> I, I, men really in the Republican Party, I mean, Adam Kinzinger and, and Mitt Romney. Where are the right. men? And Liz Cheney is more, she's more man than they are at this point. Yeah, they well, won't stand no, up I for mean, this Liz country. Cheney, Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, they are patriots. And they have been able to come forward and say that they're trying to sound the alarm. And I have to say, for every single Republican that has decided that they are not going to run because they don't like what the face of their party has, I wish they had run as independents because then they would be sounding the alarm to their base and saying what is happening is not okay. But let's take a step back. The fact that President Obama is now coming up so forthright saying that this is an issue, I wish he had done it when they started talking to him as a birther because you know who's behind the, the birtherism and who's behind the big lie? Donald Trump. It's the same man. Mm -hmm. And when we recognize that Hillary Clinton, when she was running in 2016, sounding the alarm of how this big factory of disinformation was going to erode our trust in government and was going to rad radicalize a group, a group of few, I wish more, more had been paying attention because we what we do know is that not only are people getting radicalized, but they're also getting hurt. This disinformation is not only telling people not to trust their government, but it's also telling them not to get a vaccine. It's it's hmm. it's something that is so corrosive. And we have to figure out how these social platforms at the end of the day are held accountable, Joy, because how can they be perpetuating lies that are dismantling democracy on one hand and causing death on the other? And if yeah. we don't speak no, yeah. truth to that, then we're going to basically, uh, to what Matthew was saying, we're going to have a group of people who are believing that, you, that, that we are living under this faux democracy, when in fact, the reason we're having this conversation is that democracy won last November, two Novembers ago. And, How fast everything Indeed. <laughs> I know. The time goes by. I mean, the thing is, Matthew, we are at a point where Alex Jones from InfoWars could be a key witness in, in, a, in, in a case of national import. That that man had that much influence and that much access to the president of the United States. The guy who said Sandy Hook was fake and now has had to, is going to be bankrupted because of it. The man who's just pure conspiracy theorist, he is now mainstream Republican. He is the mainstream of the base of the Republican Party. And, 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 you know, do you think as we look back, did the media, I, I'm going to tag the media here. The media did miss the Tea Party altogether and how extreme they were. Ron DeSantis, all of these Tea Partiers who are now in power came from that, birtherism. They, the media even let that go. Did we fail as a country to confront the radicalism of things like the Tea Party and the birthers early enough to save ourselves from these people today? Yes, the answer to that is yes. I mean, I, I think, and I look at myself as one of those people that, I mean, I've tried to sound the alarm. I left the Republican Party 15 years ago and tried to sound the alarm about what was coming, what was coming. I tried to warn about Donald Trump. I could have done more. The media, I think part of the media problem, and I'm not, I'm a huge First Amendment believer. I, I think the First Amendment is crucial for our democracy. And I think people have a right to their own opinions and all of that. But social media platforms to me, and the media has to recognize this, are a bit like fire and water. And fire is 
can warm you and fire can light the way, but fire can burn things down and water can quench your thirst and water can drown you unless you control them in the course of this. And so I think the media, part of what the media has done too often, not all, but too often is treat this whole thing like it's a game, like it's a game. Mm -hmm. Well, this guy has 75% chance of winning. Not like that we're asking the question, is our democracy going away? Or we're going to interview this guy because they have the opposite side opinion because that's, that's what we do. Balance should not be the goal. And we, I think we've fallen way too often. The idea of balance is the goal. The truth is the goal. And we have allowed balance to take us further and further away from the truth. Just because one person says the earth is flat and the other person says, no, it's round doesn't mean they have equal opinions. One is the truth I mean, and one's not. I, I used to tell my students, it's like one person saying, well, you know, strychnine can kill you. And the other saying, well, strychnine is delicious. Balance would say, give them equal time. <laughs> You're going to kill a lot of people. But, um, Maria Jesus Kumar, you know, let's go back to where we started um, with President Obama, because I think one of the issues, too, is the urbane way that he describes the problem also makes me nervous because I do feel that Democrats are trying to treat this as a political challenge rather than an existential problem much too often. And it feels so existential to me. And I think to Matthew and I think to you that I wonder if Democrats Marquise de Queensberry rules strategy has any chance against it. You know, who knows how to under who understands and uses social media so deftly? The Ukrainians. And they do it in a way that they're constantly communicating to the country and to the world of what an essential threat democracy and liberty is. And unless the Democrats lead that we are in a moment of reckoning with our democracy, that it's not business as usual. It's like, yes, there's inflation, but there's this other existential threat before us that we're not going to be able to get to inflation if all of a sudden you do not have rights. That is where we yeah. are. And believe it or not, the majority of Americans are primed to it. That's why we voted in record number in 2020. We mm-hmm. understood that what Donald Trump represented was asymmetrical to freedom. And all of a sudden, the Democrats are packing their bags and want to talk about something that's so esoteric that doesn't make sense. No, you tell people that if you cannot have access to the voting booth, all your values, all your issues, all your agency of your body is out the door. Indeed. And it's all on the table. Republicans have said there is nothing they won't sacrifice or destroy in order to be the courtiers, if they have to be, to the American czar. They don't care and they know what he is. They don't care. Matthew Dowd, Mm. Maria Teresa Kumar, thank you both very much for helping us sound the alarm. Up next on The Readout, Disney hurt the widow governor's feeling. And now baby mother Ron DeSantis is making sure that they pay a heavy price. My next guest identified that as authoritarian socialism. And he's offering asylum to Mickey and Minnie. Plus, this is what liberation looks like to Russia. Flattened buildings and murdered babies. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby joins me. And you heard how Florida is rejecting so-called woke math books. Schools there now have to buy those books from one company, which was formerly run by a current Republican governor and DeSantis wannabe. Hmm. And this was fun. I spoke with the great and hilarious Randy Rainbow about the very serious issues behind his hilarious and hugely popular parodies. And I got the scoop on his real name. The readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, 
which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Today, Florida Republicans passed a new congressional map that dismantles a largely black district in northern Florida and gives Republicans a major edge in future elections. Florida Democrats, led by black members, voiced their opposition by staging a sit-in on the House floor over the new map, chanting and shouting as the final vote was taken. This motion is not debatable and requires a majority vote. All in favor, say aye. All opposed, no. Show the bill, show if motion passes, we will now proceed to call the previous question. At that same session, Republicans made good on their threat to retaliate against Disney, passing a bill that strips the Walt Disney Company of its special self-governing status, a privilege Disney has held for 55 years. That bill will head to the desk of Baby Maga, who's expected to sign it, of course. The move comes after Disney paused political donations in the state and condemned the new don't say gay law. Florida has hundreds of similar special tax districts, including the villages, a MAGA boomer oasis northwest of Orlando that has not been penalized for its political views. So let's just be clear about what DeSantis is doing. It's called political extortion. Those Florida Democrats aren't the only ones making noise. However, a Democratic governor has stepped forward, calling out the DeSantis playbook as authoritarian socialism while offering Mickey and Minnie full asylum in his state of Colorado. That governor, Jared Polis of Colorado, joins me now. Governor Polis, thank you for being here from my former growing up state. Um, Let's talk about uh, authoritarian socialism. I saw your tweet and thought that's the term we need to be using because you'd explain what it is. What is authoritarian socialism? Yeah. First of all, Randy Rainbow. Wow, Joy. I'm a huge fanboy. Everybody should stick around and listen to Randy Rainbow. He's amazing. Um, But on this topic, Joy, so what we're talking about here is this is out of the playbook of authoritarianism, of government intervention and private business saying, you don't do what I want. In this case, you're not supporting my anti-gay law. Therefore, I will directly penalize your company, not pass some general law that affects all companies. Literally, we will go after your company if you don't get in line. I mean, that's out of the out of the playbook of, of uh, you know Maduro and, and Venezuela Chavez I mean this is the kind of leadership they have that stifles freedom stifles economic prosperity and it's exactly what we're seeing out of Ron DeSantis in Florida and look if in Colorado is always happy to have a mountain Disneyland and, and Mickey and Minnie are safe here I would I would go to that oh, by the way um that is also what they had in the old Soviet Union. It's very Soviet. And it's weird how Republicans, they keep tacking back to the old Soviet Union and they seem to want to mimic the things uh, that the new Soviet Union, meaning Vladimir Putin, is doing. And just so that y'all don't think that Governor Polis is, 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 you know, being over the top here, let me play you Laura Ingraham admitting that that's the plan. This is back in April. And this is Laura Ingraham on Fox going after Disney. And when Republicans, they get back into power... Apple and Disney need to understand one thing. Everything will be on the table. 
your copyright and trademark protection, your special status within certain states, and even your corporate structure itself. The antitrust division at Justice needs to begin the process of considering which American companies need to be broken up once and for all for competition's sake and ultimately for the good of the consumers who pay the bills. And I'm going to make a point that, they, that DeSantis has also threatened Twitter. He's threatened to go after members of the Twitter board because they are not bowing down to Elon Musk's takeover bid. So this is across the board. They're picking through the companies that they don't like their views and going after them. Let's uh, let you make your case. Is it feasible to try to attract the Walt Disney Company to pick up stakes? They've been there since the 1960s and moved to Colorado. What's your pitch? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, DeSantis has this is a playbook out of Putin, and we saw where this goes. This is co-opting private companies, saying you got to bend to my will, or we're going to directly penalize you. In Colorado, we have a different tradition. I don't care what your political philosophy is. You can be conservative, liberal. You can be religious right, religious left, atheist middle. Doesn't matter. We want to give you the opportunity to thrive in our state. And no matter what your political viewpoints are, our state is open for business, open for jobs, certainly open to host Disney World. And I can uh, verify that it is a great place to live. Colorado is. Um, let me t to ask you, because you actually made history. Um, I think you were, were you the first sitting governor um, to be married, to have to have your gay marriage affirmed as, as while you were governor. It was I, I know that there was something like that, that you made history. But you are a very proud gay man, married, a family man. Um, the, the tactic that people like DeSantis and, and this clack on the right are using is to try to associate LGBTQ people with groomers, to try to accuse people of being groomers, even people who are not LGBTQ, but who are like friendly to people who are LGBTQ. If you're not for their belief system and for their, their ideas, you're a groomer. Give me your comment about that as, as, as a gay man. Well, first of all, uh, this could be any issue and, 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 and penalizing uh, a company for not bending to your political will is wrong. It is Soviet. It is authoritarian. And that's exactly what we, what he's doing. Now, on this particular issue, it's perfectly fine to have disagreements and agreements. And I think there's a lot of agreement there too, because I think we can all agree that, you know, when you're talking about first, second, third graders, of course they should not be exposed to any kind of sexualized content in school. We all agree on that. But when it comes to teaching history, to understand that kids might have. Some kids have, you know, a mom and a dad. Some kids just have a mom. Some have a dad. Some have two dads. Some have two moms. Some are raised by a grandparent. We love them all. Schools serve them all. And we should be affirming for kids, no matter what their family looks like, because it's not up to them. They have a loving family and that's what matters. And, and I mean, I grew up in Denver public schools. I, I don't even know what they're talking about, right? There isn't, there, there is no content that's trying to teach sexual content to children, but they're saying it to try to tweak people's fears and scare people. But I just wonder if you're just personally offended by them choosing that particular tactic, because it's an age old tactic that's been used against gay folks in this country. It's a dog whistle, the same way that critical race theory, which is also not taught in our schools, yep. Joy, in Colorado, yeah. or I don't think anywhere, Hello. maybe some graduate course at a university, but certainly not in our in our schools. That's also a dog whistle. So a dog whistle to racism, now a dog whistle to homophobia. These are not real problems. They're trying to distract from going after public education, from bullying private companies, from having Soviet-style leadership where they want to bend uh, people to their political will. And that's really all, all it is, a distraction. Have you heard from the Walt Disney Company? We're, I'm waiting for my phone to ring, and we're ready to welcome <laughs> him here with loving arms. 
I, I expect you to come back here and give us the update if that happens. Colorado Governor Jared Polis, thank you, sir. Really appreciate you. Um, and up next, Putin claims victory over what remains of the once beautiful port city of Mariupol and prepares to starve out its remaining defenders as the U.S. and its allies continue to pour heavy weapons into Ukraine to help it counter the Russian advance. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby joins us next. Vladimir Putin is claiming victory in Mariupol, despite multiple claims to the contrary. In a highly staged televised meeting with his defense minister, Putin claimed that Russia's effort to, quote, liberate Mariupol had been a success, but said he would not order Russian forces to storm the last stronghold. Well, this is what liberation looks like in Mariupol. Russia's defense minister said that the steel plant where the last Ukrainian forces in the area are sheltering where the area are sheltering, is completely blocked off from the rest of the city. 1,000 civilians and 500 wounded Ukrainian soldiers are also trapped there. A new satellite images show more than 200 fresh graves in an area outside the city where Mariupol's mayor says Russians have buried as many as 9,000 civilians who were killed there. While control of Mariupol means in dispute in the Donbass, the Lukansk regional governor says 80 percent of the region is now under Russian control. And Ukraine's second largest city, Kharkiv, was under intense bombardment as Russian forces struck a residential area today. President Biden announced an additional $800 million in military equipment for Ukraine, citing a critical window as Russia maps up, ramps up its assault on eastern Ukraine. To modernize Teddy Roosevelt's famous advice, sometimes we will speak softly and carry a large javelin because we're sending a lot of those in as well. The president also challenged Vladimir Putin's claims. It's questionable whether he does control Mariupol. One thing for sure we know about Mariupol, he should allow humanitarian carters to let people on that steel mill and other places are buried under rubble to get out, to get out. That's what any, any, any head of state would do in such a circumstance. Meanwhile, in addition to the military aid package today, the Pentagon announced Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin will host defense counterparts for Ukraine-focused talks next week at Ramstein Air Base in Germany. Joining me now is Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. And Secretary Kirby, thank you for being here. I mean, let's go back to this question of Mariupol, uh, because it's significant from two point stand standpoints. Obviously, uh, Putin wants to be able to claim that whole sort of letter C, reverse letter C, that he controls that eastern part. And he also just wants to declare victory uh, for anything. It, it, what is the um, understanding right now inside the Pentagon of whether or not Putin and Russia controls Mariupol? We agree with President Biden. Uh, it, it's questionable uh, how much control the Russians have over Mariupol. Clearly, uh, they have been bombarding the city uh, and causing extensive damage. And they have forces, quite a, quite a lot of forces, uh, in Mariupol. But our sense today is that it's still contested, that the Ukrainians are still there. They are still offering resistance. Uh, so we're not uh, ready to accept Russia's claims uh, that they have Mariupol. Now, clearly, as you pointed out, Joy, they want Mariupol because it gives them that land bridge unhindered, un, un uh, unencumbered uh, from the Donbass region in the east all the way down to Crimea. They also want to use Mariupol and that part of, of Ukraine as a springboard to go north up into the Donbass region uh, to try to cut off Ukrainian forces that are still there. And so is the understanding from the Pentagon's point of view that that is where Russia would intend to stop and that they would not be trying to use that as a pivot point to try to take over more of Ukraine? 
We don't know. We, we honestly don't know. We know that immediately what they want to do is occupy the Donbass region uh, and f- find, fix, and in, in some cases finish uh, Ukrainian forces that are there. They want to occupy that Donbass region. It's a part of the country that they've been fighting over literally for the last eight years. Now, should he accomplish that? What would he do next? We don't know. Uh, would, he, mm-hmm. would he just call it a day and say, that's what I wanted and declare victory? Or would he use it again as territory from which to launch more attacks uh, further west inside Ukraine and even perhaps threaten Kyiv. We just don't know. Let's talk about what uh, the U.S. is doing. Uh, Secretary Austin is headed to Germany um, for these uh, these Ukraine defense consultative group talks. What will those talks entail? What's the plan for that? There's three things on the agenda. Number one, uh, Secretary Austin wants to hear from allies and partners and military leaders in the region about their assessment of what's going on on the battlefield and in Ukraine, get a sense of op- operations and what's going on. Number two, uh, talk to allies and partners as well as Ukrainians about uh, their defense needs going forward. The president just announced $800 million in additional assistance today, and we're going to keep trying to support them for as much as we can, uh, as long as we can, uh, as fast as we can. And so we want to be able to get a sense of immediate defense needs. But more critically, what the secretary wants to do is talk to these allies and partners about long range uh, defense needs and defense partnerships in Ukraine. uh, When we get on the other end of this war, what does that look like? What's the footprint in Europe need to look like? Uh, So he wants to talk a little bit about more strategic objectives as well. We're going to show what I'm going to put up on the screen what we're sending right now. But the U.S. is sending $800 million in an aid package with howitzers and tactical vehicles and all sorts of, of individual things. You know, I think the sense that some Americans have is that we are sort of, you know, putting a lot of money and a lot of equipment behind keeping the Ukrainians going, but that there isn't much of an end game in play by the West. You know, there's been lots of support, but not an end game. You know, Putin seems to be unraveling. Um, there is this sense that he is increasingly isolated. He's firing off missiles, launching this. Sarmat missile, which apparently is not even ready to deploy, but sort of threatening the world that, hey, I could get worse. I could threaten the rest of the world. How does the West, how does the world tamp down that threat? Because just continuing to keep, you know, as many Ukrainians alive as possible doesn't feel like winning and stopping Putin. Well, we certainly want the Ukrainians to win. Uh, and now they get to determine uh, what victory looks like. We're not telling them how to negotiate or, or, or reach the outcomes uh, at the end, but we want them to win. We want Russian forces out of Ukraine. Uh, we want Ukrainian sovereignty to be respected by Russia and by everybody else. Uh, that's what's really at stake here. And that's why we're helping them defend themselves uh, as best we can. We are also working hard to, to make sure that NATO's eastern flank is well defended and well coordinated and that there's no threat to NATO territory by Mr. Putin, and he doesn't, we don't even want to begin to think like that. Now, you talked about him unraveling. He has not achieved any of the strategic objectives that he has had, or that he set for himself uh, in the early goings uh, of this invasion. And again, we don't know what the end game is in his mind, if the sum total of his uh, uh, objective is just the Donbass region. Uh, but he has clearly been set back in, in what his uh, initial aims uh, were at the outset, and we want to make sure that, that, that he's not able to achieve the aims that he's got right now inside the Donbass. Very quick question as I let you go. When uh, Secretary Austin is in Ramstein, Germany, any thought that he might head to Kiev, that he might at some point meet with President Zelensky? Uh, we're focused on the trip to, to the Ramstein and to talking to these allies and partners, and, and that's really what we're focused on right now. Um, we will thank you very much, Pentagon Secretary John Kirby, who makes the list of travel banned Americans, along with Vice President Harris um, and some journalists and others, Ron Klain, other White House members. Um, consider it a badge of honor, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you.
still ahead. If you thought Florida Republicans alleged outrage over math textbooks that allegedly teach critical race theories about math or, or kids or CRT, think again. More next. Stay with us. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So here is how to do fascism for fun and profit. If you are Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, you start out by making it illegal for schools to make white children feel discomfort while being taught about our nation's history of racial discrimination and violence. That includes banning certain books. But not just history books or English literature. No, no. Now, even math books are being banned in the not-so-free state of Florida. Last week, the Florida Department of Education rejected 41% of math textbooks for one key reason. Many of those books contained prohibited topics, including alleged references to critical race theory. Now, of course, they did not provide any actual examples of what that could mean in a math textbook. And now, for the state's regular K-5 through math classes, there is only one math book publisher that has survived the call. A company called Accelerate Learning, which happens to be a company bought out in 2018 by the Carlisle Group investment firm, which might sound familiar. Do you know who not only worked for the company for 25 years, but was also a co-CEO? Why, Virginia's newly elected Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin. Yes, the same Glenn Youngkin who campaigned on fake CRT hysteria last year and kicked off the right's election strategy for the culture war. It is quite a coinkydink that suddenly the Carlisle-owned company will supply the only approved math textbooks that apparently won't make white children somehow feel personally responsible for long-dead white adults doing bad things. And just as Supreme Chairman DeSantis has set the authoritarian socialist agenda for other red state governors to follow, it will be interesting to see which other states not only take the same steps in banning math textbooks alongside Toni Morrison books and anything about LGBTQ people, but ultimately, which red states decide that the only option is to order from this same company, thus fattening this same company's pockets? That would be quite a win for Youngkin, who, as of last year, was reported to hold more than 6.7 million shares of the Carlisle Group. And that is how to do fascism for fun and profit. We will keep following this story and update you as we learn more. And up next, the hilarious political satirist, Randy Rainbow. Stay with us. For millions of Americans, the four years under the rule of the orange menace from Florida were a hellscape filled with one terrifying injustice, lie and fraud after another. There was one silver lining though, or should I say rainbow? 
Randy Rainbow, to be precise. You all know and love his parody videos because, frankly, he made us laugh when we wanted to cry. Who's as dim as the dawn? Who's as grim as the dawn? Who assassinates dudes on a whim in a run? No, his strategies couldn't be stranger when handling foreign affairs. Keto Christ, Cheeto Christ. He's like if Jesus were pumpkin spice. Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. Alternative facts aren't actually facts They're not facts, they're fantastical facts They're absolutely not facts They're just alternative facts and joining me now is three-time Emmy-nominated musical comedian Randy Rainbow. His book, Playing With Myself, came out this week. I have my copy, and there is a perfect spot in the book right here for you to sign it when I see you, hopefully in person sometime soon. Um, so I'm going to hold on to it until I can get a signed copy. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Joy. I will have my Sharpie ready for you. Specifically. Yes. You know, you are mentioned in the book. I... No, and I'm so excited. Please explain, because you know what? We're doing an interview about you. Tell them about me. <laughs> Wait, what, what happened to my lighting all of a sudden? It was so perfect, and now it's crazy. Okay. <laughs> anyway, listen, I, did, I, I do sort of my own version of celebrity gossip in the book in the most innocuous way, and I kind of spill the tea on celebrities who have come out to me, so to speak as fellow musical theater nerds. And it's, it's not such a joke. I mean, in my line of work, people, you know, you kind of learn who uh, grew up on musical theater and who appreciate a good show tune. And I was so overjoyed to learn that you are one of them. So, and, and I'm a big fan. So any chance to, you know, drop your name in the book, I was happy for. I love it. Well, I come from a family of, you know, actors, my son, my sister, and uh, we do love a good musical. So let's talk about you because uh, what I, what I, I find so much fascinating about you, but the most fascinating thing, and it is a little bit of a spoiler. I thought Randy Rainbow was a name that you created is a nom de guerre, but it is your real name. Please explain the history of your amazing name. It, well, I, if you read chapter one of the book, it goes through the whole origin. So I won't bore everyone with that now, but yes, I, I would not make it up. It, it, it sounds like the corniest stage name ever, but I would not have done that to myself. I kind of had no choice but to grow into it. Um, but, and there, and there for all the birthers out there, there is a picture of my birth certificate in the, <laughs> in the book. And so, I mean, the thing is, is that your family, like so many families, you know, came from, you know, one place in Europe to another and had to change their name. And for everyone, the sort of short stories that Rainbow is a translation of what your family's original name as, as Jewish, European Jews. That's so it's like fascinating correct. that you're real. You're really Randy Rainbow, which is cool. You yeah, also it's the direct translation. I'm sorry. It's the direct translation of the word rainbow. So it, it, it was it, they, when they you know, came over, it was already anglicized. And had it not been changed already, it likely would have been, you know, made into something like Rabinowitz or something. But it wasn't. It was rainbow. And I had to become a gay show queen. <laughs> Well, I mean, and so here's the other thing, and we we share this in common too. Both having had uh, roots in New York and Florida, uh, the not so free state of Florida. You grew up in Florida, actually not far from where my husband and I raised uh, our three kids uh, for for most of their lives, South Florida, and that had to be an interesting experience 
even before Ron DeSantis, um, a young um, queer kid growing up in Florida whose name is Randy Rainbow, who's shy, um, you know, musical theater is what brought you out of your shell. Talk about growing up in Florida and what was that like for you? Um, you know, for a number of reasons, I felt out of my element. Uh, I, we moved from Long Island when I was nine and we, we moved around a lot. So I, I was kind of not really set up for success as a shy, awkward, overweight, effeminate boy. Those were not at the top of the food chain, if you can imagine back then in elementary school. So, you know, I, I it's really, I mean, we joke about musical theater, but it really saved my life. Musical comedy specifically is really kind of how I escaped and, uh, you know, into my imagination. And that's what got me through. Um, my mother is still in Florida and, uh, you know, it's challenging because she wants me to visit all the time. And I'm like, come here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I haven't been back uh, much since we left. Uh, let me play a little bit of a song that you did that is directly related to Florida. And, you know, as we all know, Florida passed and Ron DeSantis signed and championed this don't say gay bill, which is actually just really just meanness in a bill um, because he thinks this is going to help him be president. But this is your response. This is a little piece of it. Take a look. Someone's being an <laughs> That's no way to be. Here's the tea. Gosh, I'd hate to upset your Republican peers. So let me say this off so no one hears. I've always been. Here's an interesting fact. Gay. Oops, I said it. I'm gay. You can bet it's a badge that I wear with a fabulous flag. Cause I'm gay, 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 gay. Sorry. You know, we we laugh at it and you're you're really great at making us laugh at things that are really tragic and, and terrifying. But I mean, for a lot of young LGBTQ kids, that's probably a little therapeutic, right? To hear somebody that is from Florida, that was a kid, it's a you know, that was a kid just like their kids right now going through this. Take us into how the kids who are in Florida now have to feel growing up in an era where their governor is saying they essentially are not allowed to exist and are not allowed to be spoken of in school. Well, yeah, it's just reprehensible. And, you know, it's they, they twist it in, into this pretzel to make their their argument. But it's really, you know, as you said, it's just dog whistles and it's just political nonsense. And they, I don't think they really understand the consequences that it has and the effect that it has on on kids like I was, um, who are you struggling with their identities and 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 already don't feel safe um, in, in in their environments, and uh, it's 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 really just a horror. You know, I have a lot of young kids and a lot of parents of young kids who are sort of like me, and. Um, they uh, they do. They find uh, a lot of kind of therapeutic benefits to what I do, which was a, a surprise and a, a, a nice surprise to me, sort of a, yeah. a, a nice byproduct of what I do. Indeed. Well, OK, closing quick question. You have an encyclopedic yeah. knowledge of musicals. Do you have a favorite musical? Oh, joy. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> I have to go anything Sondheim. Sondheim was my number one. And I, I write in the book that I actually got to know him. But Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, top. What about you? I, I wrote Wicked in the book. What, what's your favorite? You 
Well, you know what? Mine has Wicked in it because my very favorite musical ever is The Wiz. And so, of course, you know, you do have that Wicked Witch in there. So, yeah, The Wiz is my all-time favorite musical ever. And you are one of my all-time favorite people ever. Likewise, next time, we'll be together. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I cannot wait. I'm keeping my book ready for you to sign. Randy Rainbow, author of Playing With Myself. This is a great book to send to kids, particularly in Florida. They're not going to, we're not going to let them ban it. We're going to send copies to all of our LGBTQ friends in Florida. Randy Rainbow, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Joy. Okay, okay, okay. How jealous are you guys? I got to talk to Randy Rainbow. That was pretty cool, right? So thank you, Randy Rainbow. You're amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I definitely want to hang out with you and maybe we can sing a song together. It would be great. That is tonight's readout. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.